poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness. Now, nestled in the foothills of a mountain range, Greatness Village is the promised land the Chasing Poker Greatness community calls home. Here, you'll find elite teachers, aspiring pros, and primitive tribal warriors who grew tired of their old ways and found a better path. These are the stories of Greatness Village on Chasing Poker Greatness. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Today, I am joined by V, who's a longtime member of Greatness Village and actually a member of my earlier community, Enhance Your Edge. He's been you know, on the radar for many years now. I've done many coaching sessions with V. He's just an amazing, amazing guy, professional poker player, former healthcare provider. V, welcome to the podcast, sir. How you doing? Good, Brad. Thank you. Thanks for uh, allowing myself to introduce myself to poker community. <laughs> allowing myself to introduce allowing, myself. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thank you for letting myself to, to introduce myself to the poker community. Yeah, I understand. Also, I understand, V. Talk, <laughs> t- talking's hard. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, especially, especially when you don't speak English. Right. When, it, when it's not your native language, right? Like, get me on here speaking some. Uh, any language other than English, and well, uh, it's uh, I can speak on a six-month-old level, I think. But first and foremost, you know, the fir- first question to get to is: tell me about your journey, your story. What led you to the world of cards? I started playing online poker uh, during Money Makers era when he won the World Series, and. Uh, you know, shortly before that rounders came out, like a lot of people here, I was uh, at the time I, I was mid twenties and uh, like still in college. Uh, yeah. And uh, how did rounders no. affect you? Do you remember like how you felt after watching rounders specifically? I felt like yeah, I felt like it was so cool, like making a living playing poker. You know, uh, even at that time, I knew that. You know, just playing poker at the casino is not as as uh, you know, as unsafe as, as these guys did. Like they kind of play the shady home games where they can just get beat up and stuff. I, I knew that's not the case, but at the same time, I knew it was it, it was really cool to play cards for a living. You know, live this this life like these guys did. Sure, all you know, that good stuff. Uh, you know, easy money. That's what I was thinking. Oh, easy money. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the alert, right? Easy, right. easy money. All you gotta do is play. Um, yeah, you just gotta play, and and you win, right? So after rounders, um, how how old were you? I guess so we can kind of set the timeline here. Did you have a career? Like, what were you doing in life at that point? Uh, I was still in college, uh, learning business management. Being in college was like my last year. I knew, you know, operations management was my major at the time. It's not something I want to do anyway. So I was looking at whatever, whatever opportunities I, I had. And why, it just, it, it, why didn't you want to do business management or uh, business and operations uh, management? Wasn't interested. You know, it's just boring to me. Like I, I was imagining like cubicles for the rest of my life, you know, uh, being fired, walking out carrying the box of, you know, family pictures out the door. <laughs> this kind of things was, you know, that's how I associate with, with the office job, you know, just being like... Uh, stuck. Be, yeah, being stuck, be uh, like needing to uh, uh, be involved in office politics, you know, and, and carrying this box to the door when, when they don't want you anymore. <laughs> yeah, for speaking your truth or whatever it is, right? right? It's like, right. that. that's never really appealed to me either. Um, it might not have been like that, but that's how I picture. <laughs> well, 
having coached and known lots of people who transition to poker from various fields, whether it be lawyers, accountants, healthcare, um, you know, there's a reason why they don't want to do what they do and want more freedom and autonomy anymore. But when you graduated school, like when did you start taking poker seriously? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I actually failed that time. You know, I I thought, like I said, it was easy money and uh, it's just nothing to it. I'm just going to deposit a hundred bucks, sit down and play uh, one, two limit, hold them and it's print. And uh, I had probably like three, four hundred dollars to my name that I lost like first night playing little games. And then I was just playing like sitting goes. I was working a job uh, playing sitting goes like sixteen dollars sitting goes not making money and eventually i you know i did not put one second of study like one one second like i didn't i didn't read anything i just thought oh i know the rules i'll figure it out as we go so i failed miserably even 16 dollars sitting goals i could not beat it yeah apparently in a mental game it helps to study <laughs> yeah it helps. Who, who would have thought <laughs> Yeah, it would help to study a little strategy even before the mental game. But yeah, for sure. Didn't. Um, so you you crash and burn. Moneymaker money maker happens. What was going on in your life, you know, in the moneymaker boom? And when you decided to, I guess, there's, there's actually multiple parts of your career here because I know you get into healthcare, but I don't know exactly when um, that happens in the timeline. Yeah, I got in the healthcare later. It was uh, like early 2010s. Yeah. It was my other degree. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, well, I thought I was going to enjoy it, but I really didn't. Like, once I, once I got a job, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed studying clinicals and, you know, all this student life. But once I got in the field, it's just, it's real dark. It's, you know, it's just like, I was working in long-term care facilities. That's where people come and spend their last day. So it's no fun. Yeah. And uh, being between jobs at one point, uh, I decided to give another shot. Like I wasn't planning on being a professional poker player or anything, but I was just, I just had time and, you know, a few dollars. And I went to the local casino, which was there since, which was there for like five years. You know, I, like previous five years, uh, I was probably there like once. And I didn't, maybe I, maybe I did play poker once, maybe like limit or something. But uh, I started playing. And uh, I remember this one time I was at the table and, uh, you know, there was a, I don't remember hand history, but it was like, let's say like queen jack eight flop with two flops. And, uh, you know, I jam, let's say I jammed the flop. And uh, the guy took like two minutes to call. And then he shows 10-9 for the nuts on the flop. And I said, I was still like new to poker and stuff. I, you know, I was still doing the table, like like some call six feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> I said, why, 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 why were you tanking on the flop? And he said, there was a, there was a flash draw. And he said, this hand is foldable for $200. <laughs> he, used, he used the exact word, word foldable. Sure. I'm like, yeah, I think that, that's... You know, it's not to say my, like, I'm like red line player, like bluffy player. I can get people off the hands and stuff. It's not that. It's just, I thought, you, you know, it was, it was my first thought. You're not playing the casino. You're playing people. And you can win, you know, because you, you can have an edge. That, that was my thought process at the time. Then. Um, so I went online, did some research, found out Ed Miller's books, read them all and just, started playing and, you know, just started winning a little bit. Started playing small, small stakes at the casino and winning and studying actually. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how, how study helps. Um, amazing. I think it's a good intuitive thought, right? Like they've got the nuts, the best possible hand and yeah. like they still don't want to put money in because like there's a flush draw because it's foldable. Right. It's foldable. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me, Sometimes these things happen in live poker. Uh, I was playing in this 
like $200 tournament at a home game back in the day, they would have these like, <laughs> I say home game, but it was more like a country club. And there was like 12 or 13 tables at this country club. So it was like actually quite a, it was basically a poker room. Um, and this dealer was playing in the tournament and basically they got all in, they got, uh, they were faced with an all in decision preflop early in the tournament and they were just like tanking. And they were like, I hate this hand. I hate this hand. I don't know what to do. Um, and eventually they call, right? And they table aces. And I just remember, like, I just remember, like, looking at it going, wow. Like, you don't understand much about risk when you're tanking with the nuts, right? Like, in, in a game of risk, this is, like, about as cut and dry as it can get when you have the nuts. But people, you know, some people are so afraid of losing that, like, they don't want to take a massive edge and I, and intuitively anybody watching that can think like, wow, yeah, there's, there's a lot of edge to be gained here when people are uncomfortable, just getting it in with the best possible hand. Um, but going back to, you know, your career. So you start studying, you read Ed Miller's book, you're playing small. You said you were in between careers at the time. So I, I know you're a married guy, so like, what was sort of your plan and family life at this stage? Uh, the thing is, is uh, my wife. I have a hundred percent support for my wife with everything I do. I guess because she knows I'm not, you know, I don't know how to put it. I'm I'm not doing anything to 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 make things worse. Like, she trusts you. Yeah, yeah, it's a trust, I guess, and she was supportive with anything. However, um, you know. My family, like my mother, my sister, they they don't think it's it's a thing playing you know playing cards for a living, which which is which is no big deal because the most important thing is you know somebody you share a household with that your wife supports you. Absolutely. But yeah, and she just yeah she just trusts me and said go for it. You know, I I have to say for anybody listening in the audience too that that support of a significant other is paramount to this journey because if you don't have it, you're fighting battles on multiple fronts and it just doesn't tend to work out. Um, poker is hard enough with the pressure that it places on you uh, when you're on a downswing, when things are going poorly, but to be on a downswing and then also have to feel like you've got to justify the decisions you make. You've got to justify that like you're going, you're going to win a poker over the long run. It's just a downswing. Um, if your significant other is like, no, the world's burning down and you're going to lose everything and we're going to end up broke, filing bankruptcy in debt and ruined. It, it's very hard to have a poker career. I agree. Um, and I, I don't think it's possible when, you know, when your spouse, let's say spouse, you know, because it's the more it's, it's it's someone you share household and it's the most important person to, mm -hmm. to uh, have support from. You yeah, know? I agree. If she, yeah, if, if if things go the way you said, you know, you described, like, I don't think it's possible. You know, one thing if she you met you you two met when when you were already a poker player. Another thing is when you started playing cards like midway through the marriage or whatever, like when she known you for like five, six, seven, ten years, and now you're like, oh, I'm going to be a professional poker player. <laughs> I think it, uh, to me, I, I think it it even works if you've been a professional poker player for a while and you start dating somebody that's not used to poker and they think that you're just some kind of like degenerate gambler that takes on lots of risk um, and, and is uncomfortable. I, I think those are like red flags that, you know, you're either going to have to be happy changing careers or you're going to have to eventually exit the relationship because it, it's not really sustainable. Yeah, it's it's not. When, yeah, you just have to have support, your, your significant other support, 100%. So you didn't have designs on becoming a professional poker player, but somehow you were eventually able to do so. Um, so tell me about like that transition from being at the casino, realizing you're playing against people, you have this room for edge, and reading Ed Miller's books, like what happened next? What year are we in at this stage? Uh, at this stage, we're uh, 2017, 2018. And 
it's just it was just going like I was playing small stakes, uh, studying, making. I, I was making enough money to 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 make a living in Ohio, just playing one three, and it just then yeah then um. Uh, actually, my next thing was PKC. <laughs> oh boy, the PKC yeah. days. Yeah, I was actually I I didn't register through your link. I registered through Bart's link. Mm-hmm. Because he was like first to to uh, post it, I guess. Sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I you know it was it was good, but I I, I actually couldn't win. On really? PC. No, not really. Uh, I had a short sample size, probably like a month, and it was just ups and downs. And it's a different game. Like it was a different game. Those those apps, um, Poker King. Uh, what V's referring to is PKC, which was sort of the thing that I started chasing poker greatness promoting um, a few years back, where the, the game structure was three blinds with antes, and the antes were as big as the small blind, which is just a very different dynamic than one small blind and one big blind. Like every pot, like the, the game, even though the blinds were relatively small, the game is really, really big. When everybody's anting a small blind, but yeah, so yeah, so. <laughs> so you got into PKC that didn't go well, um, and that's probably when you found my community at some point. Yeah, yeah, I just uh, I you know it was through a YouTube search or something, just something popped up on the internet that guys playing on PKC like same looking app I'm playing on. Mm-hmm. So I opened it and I was losing, maybe pick something up. Yeah, and that's how I uh, found out. Uh, hence your age at the time my old but brand you, uh, you, you stopped like shortly after i think streaming pkc i don't know they left united states market or something like that yeah so basically what went down with pkc was the american players were doing quite well against the asian players and poker king is the parent company and poker king realized quickly that like the American players had taken a lot of liquidity out of the player pool and they were like, yeah, we don't want this. Um, (laughs) We've, the U S players have had taken, you know, it's in the seven figures on, on a monthly basis. And so they just like restricted access to the high stakes games. That was the first nail in the coffin. Um, And then they restricted access to the whole app altogether and basically paid everybody back their account balances and closed up shop. Gambling in the United States is kind of weird compared to other countries, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think ultimately it was probably, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Ultimately, I think it was a good thing for me, even though it was in the moment a really, really, really terrible thing for me. Uh, I'm somebody that kind of tries to find the silver lining in all the bad stuff. And it pushed me to basically figure out how to build my own training content, my own community, sell, just do it without having that affiliate revenue, which was, you know, the business model behind Chasing Poker Greatness when I first launched mm-hmm. the podcast. So that's, uh, that's actually my next step, uh, Greatness Village. When uh, I, I, you know, when, when I, prior to COVID, I was playing 2-5. So it was my, it was the highest I played 2-5. So COVID happens and, uh, you know, I'm forced to play online. Shortly after I found the Greatness Village. And I had, a, I had a, like, I was winning, but I had pretty small win rate online. I was playing on global, NL200, for the most part. And yeah, found Greatness Village and it just, it was, it was pretty good for my win rate. Private coaching, courses, uh, MDA-based courses. Yeah. Great. Uh, especially, like, man, I don't know. I think, like, NAFO is, you know, they're, they're all great. But I think NAFO is just a thing. It's, I mean, it's amazing. So, just today, you know, today I was watching Bart Hansen throw the call-ins. And it was a spot. It was a turn lead spot. <laughs> and the river champ spot. 
where if the guy was familiar with the novel, you know, because it happened on turn, he would have made like 2K extra that he didn't make. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's a spot where you can print. And yeah. I, I, people probably listening to the podcast rightfully are suspect that I'm biased of my own courses or that, you know, I, I pay you guys something to talk about nuffle, but like that, that situation is there's, it's such a profitable spot. If you sort of know what's going on through mass data that, yeah, it's just, it, it prints money. And it, I mean, watching like the hustler high stakes stream and watching guys like lead into lead into the preflop razor and just thinking like, wow, I'm watching these guys fold away like $50,000 pots when it's like there, there's a solution here. Yeah, it was, I'm sitting here in front of my screen. I'm like, call, call. It's an awful spot. Call. It's the easiest call ever. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You, you hopped in greatness village. You, you got coaching for a long time, right from the Genesis. Um, how'd you find greatness village, by the way, was it through enhance your edge through the podcast? I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. I, you know, I was looking for a coaching and I just, you just like your face came across the internet, like YouTube poker videos or something, something like that. It's not like I, I wasn't referred or anything. I just knew you. I, you know, it was an, uh, I think it was a, a greatness village or chasing poker greatness, uh, you know, webpage website. Yeah. So I knew you and like, I heard your thought process and I think I'm going to get a cons consult with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, after you're, you're like, okay, so 200, you're breaking even, you're winning playing live poker. Like, what was your trajectory sort of after private coaching, Greatness Village, learning and like fully immersing yourself into, I mean, Poker Power Hour? You were at Poker Power Hour like every week for well over a year. How did you, how did your thought process about poker change? I just, uh, I just learned a lot of new things. Actually, like, I started, uh, I don't know how to put it, but I started paying more attention to a psychological side of poker, like a mental game, psychological side than, than strategic. Well, I wouldn't say more or less, but like I kind of, uh, I started learning mental game side more. Mental game, psychology of poker, uh, those things, like playing a player, even online, you know, they have feelings, they, you can have reads through through online, you know oh. they're not they might not be as good as live, but yeah, you know that you, you can have reads, you can have psychological reads through online, and so this is something that I'm in, I'm more interested in that than strategic side. Well, they tie however, into each other. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You're you, you're like, saying, however, I I lost my. <laughs> I, inter <laughs> I, I, inter I interrupted you and ruined it. That's okay. No, you didn't ruin anything. Um, so I guess, tell me about your progress from, you know, being kind of break even on global, like what stakes do you play these days? How did your, how was your win rate impacted from the PPHs and, and all the things? Uh, well, my win rate like tripled. I, I was winning a little bit on global and just, it just tripled. It's, it's like, normal for an online player now you know just like it's a good online win rate okay yeah. decent decent online win rate something that uh, can sustain you right yeah and yeah it pay was, the bills i yep yeah it paid the bills for two years it gave me a just such a huge skill like i can see i look at it as a trade when you can like sit down on your chair, being in your boxers and like make money. <laughs> I mean, why not learn something like that, right? Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so my win rate, like it, it, it grew. I mean, it just, it was amazing for my win rate. Probably with coaching and uh, MDA courses as well. Uh, right now I'm playing, uh, I'm still playing an L200. Uh, 
because I, I was I started playing 500, but then you know I, I stopped putting volume online because of my hand and shoulder, just because of the physical fatigue, and uh, just gonna be playing live full time, I guess. Oh, you were retiring from the online streets because of the... I, I am not. No, 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 I'm not retiring. I'm still gonna play online. Maybe not for. Maybe for maybe for like more for learning than than profit, or keeping my skills sharp. I if you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as it relates to like the physical side, and this is not something that like I've invested a lot of energy into thinking about because I haven't personally dealt with it. But I know that like Coach Thomas has had his physical ailments over the past year that have kept him from playing online, whether it be like inflammation in elbow or wrist or shoulder, these types of things. But I, I do know that like there are ways to play online poker with like an Xbox controller. I know that somebody does that. Um, I think there are alternative solutions where you that aren't as bad on like your elbow or your wrist. I just don't know. I haven't investigated them fully, but I'd be happy to talk to you about that like some other time um, off air because I, I do think that like there are solutions out there for you um, if you wanted them, <laughs> if, yeah, if, 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 if that would be valuable to you. It, it would be because I, yeah, I still want to play online, even though I was, I started out, well, I started out in 2017 as a live player. I want to play live. I'm a, I like people. I, I do like being around people. You know, I, I get a little bit bored playing online, but I'm still going to play maybe, maybe once or twice a week, maybe once, twice a month. I don't know, but I'm not, yeah, it's still going to be a thing. And it's just like, it's amazing for for learning process was the pandemic a catalyst to joining greatness village and playing online poker because it seems like now that the pandemic is i'm not going to say like winding down but you know it's we're through the last couple of years at least and i know that when you when you came to greatness village you're putting in significant volume online like you're just a you're a hard worker tenacious uh so did you invest more into online poker because of the pandemic and now you're going back to more live poker? Uh, at the time, yes. I did go online because of the pandemic. I was just, I, I was sitting in the casino playing and, and, and uh, the floor guy said, we're shutting down in two hours. So I was there like last minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was like March 13th or something, like 2020. He said, we didn't think the casino is going to close ever. Like they're going to run, but like he goes, you got two hours to finish your hands and we're going to wreck up at this time. And, you know, the casino is going to be closed indefinitely. So that was it. Um, but really for my career, it was, it was the best thing that happened for, for my, for my skills, for picking up more skills, learning, you know, getting coached. Uh, but at the time I was thinking like, when it's over, I'm going to play live. However, when I, when I was playing online in 2020, I didn't think I was going to go back to play live because I was comfortable. And then I get a little bored and I'm thinking I need to play like some live and some online, kind of balance it. I don't know. Just like, I, you know, I just kind of like juggle things around like that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, just like it keeps you from being bored. And well, there's only so much of sitting in a room by yourself clicking buttons and playing cards that I think a human can, can stomach. We're, we're social creatures by nature and playing live poker is a good way to, um, engage in a social activity while also having a positive hourly rate. And yeah, I think there's a time and a place for live poker. I think that what you said is sort of on the nose though, that live poker without online poker over an extended period of time is when, my game regressed the most and when growth was very minimal because it's like you just get many fewer hands in playing live poker. You don't have data to sort of leak find. And then also you just get kind of lazy and complacent as it relates to like improving your poker game because the live streets um, can be much less challenging than the online streets. So I, I do think you need to have some kind of balance, even if you do primarily play live going to the online streets to stay sharp, get in a bunch more reps, challenge yourself so that you can grow is just very, very valuable. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop, and you don't know what to do, one man, Coach Brad Wilson, has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle. Rated R. 100 NL player, former Sergeant Elijah Shears. Before I got Nuffle, I had run into a lot of dock bets. And I think once you play a certain amount of hands, you know there's something wrong with our opponent's strategies, but you don't know how to play to maximize CP against it. And it's very frustrating. I looked at the document and I couldn't believe that I paid money for it. I actually doubted that it could provide value because it was so brief. But since then, it's repaid me just over and over and over again. And it's one of the most consistent money makers built into my strategy that sheds light on just how bad your opponents are. And it took me 20 minutes to perfect it. And it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. It's just that good. The simplicity of it is part of it being a masterpiece. <laughs> Nuffle. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash courses. So what stakes we play in these days in, in live arena? And we didn't uh, actually say, but you're, you're in the Ohio region, right? Yeah, I'm out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, the, the biggest game over there, the biggest hold'em game is Uncapped 510. And he might runs one, once or twice a week, but that's the game I'm, I'm trying to play. Nice. Trying to play, a.k.a. you're playing. Yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. You're, no, I'm you're in there battling. You know, the thing is, I'm a daytime player, and the good mm-hmm. games are always at night. So sometimes Friday night, I just, you know, I cannot, I can't mentally, you know. I'm too tired by 8 o'clock at night to go play unkept game. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm too so, tired yeah. at 7 o'clock to play any, most kinds of poker. I mean comes with our age i think getting getting older and getting on the normal sleep schedule like we're daytime creatures yeah it's it's, it's a big deal for, for my hometown life poker because small casino and like i said good games are done around on monday morning right <laughs> unless so, i learn plo well there's always that, that v there's always that you, you can dive into the plo streets at some point possibility in the future tournaments are and PLO. Yeah. I know, I know you also, you also, uh, invested a lot of energy into pokercoaching.com as well with Jonathan little. Um, I know you've mentioned that to me privately as well. Want to talk about the influence that poker coaching's had on your career? Oh, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I know I said, I read that Miller's book, but like poker coaching is just like, uh, I learned, in between beginning before I in the beginning of my career before I met the greatest village the JL was like I just learned poker from his website and he just he doesn't even know well not even he doesn't know who I am and like he had such influence it's crazy yeah um out of the training platforms you've tried which I assume you know, you value education. You've tried most of the training platforms, I believe, at this point, just trying to learn from from everybody. Out of all the training platforms and communities that you've tried on the market, uh, how do you think CPG differentiates itself? Uh, CPG, you know, the thing about CPG is MDA-based courses, which I haven't seen anywhere else. I mean, they might be there, but I, I don't know about them. Yeah. And those are... Those are amazing. Like it's based on real data, uh, real players. It just it's something I've, I haven't seen like on you know upswing poker coaching, whatever else I was subscribing. You know, yeah, the MTA courses. Yeah, and uh, you know, and 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 the whole thing is based on cash games, not like cash games tournaments, PLO coach, you know, mixed game coach. It's just hold them cash games. And MDA courses. It's narrow and exactly what I needed and still need. Yeah, 
to me, data is kind of everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do think that like having theoretical understanding of poker is important. I think understanding incentives, I think understanding humans. Um, and, and I also believe in like being able to prove that the actions we take are making money or not making money or why, sh- why we should do what, what we do. And data gives you the ability to not just say like, theoretically, I think you should do this. It's like, no, we, let's measure this scientifically and come to a conclusion and prove one way or the other so that somebody learns, um, in this specific spot. Uh, so as it relates to improving your game, um, growing as a poker player, this is sort of like an opposite question. What's the lowest impact thing you've done? Like something you've invested time and energy into, and then you were like, wow, that, that was kind of a waste of time. Probably like listening to a casino players at the table. (laughs) 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 Listen to the strategy, their thought process. (laughs) You know, most of them, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, it it makes Uh, sense. I I can't think of anything else that was like so misleading. Right. What about highest impact action that you've taken to improve your game? Just private coaching for sure. Private coaching. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like getting one-to-one feedback. You remember that? Hmm? You remember me when I started. I do. You know I needed it. (laughs) Most of us need it, I think. But especially like when you hit a wall in your training and you don't have visibility of your blind spots, like there's only one way to gain visibility of what you're doing wrong when you don't know what you're doing is wrong. And that's by having an outside source analyze your play and give you feedback. And I mean... It just, it, you learn so much that can be taken and applied throughout the rest of your poker journey, which is years and years and years that you don't need to gain very much for it to be a profitable investment. And if you play poker, if you have desires or dreams of playing poker in the long run, um, yeah, it's just really hard to go wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think we, we talked about it before at um, some point that I believe the poker education is real cheap. I strongly believe that it's just almost free, no matter how much private coaches charge. Like like novel, man, $200. And you just, you just like, you can be up 2K, you know, plus 2K within just one spot. Yeah, you know, I agree. Just... It's, it's not even an investment. It's just like, we just help this guy out and, you know, he's going to teach us some, some stuff that we can print money with. I mean, it, it should be a value proposition, right? Like, yeah, value for me in selling these things and value for anybody that buys them and that they get to use them and generate revenue over time, more, much more than their initial investment. Um, what's the most unexpected thing that's come from your poker journey? just uh, the fact that I am able to do it. I for, for the past five years, almost five years, it's been my sole income, the only income, and I'm just I'm just amazed that I'm able to do it. Like without going break, my first two months, well, going like broke, and yeah, that's amazing. I was able to do it actually. Yeah, I'm proud of you, man. You you've. You're a smart guy, like I said. You're smart, you're tenacious, you're teachable. Uh, it's not a surprise to me that you have made it, but congratulations nonetheless. I, I think that as long as you have access to poker in some capacity, you'll be able to carve out a career and earn money playing this game for as long as you want to anyway. Um, yeah. When you think about joy in your career playing cards, what's the first memory that pops in your head? Uh, like for mornings. But I will wake up and thinking I'm gonna do whatever I want. Like today, tomorrow, I can go play cards. I can do whatever I want. That was real joy. You know, working 16-hour days at the nursing home. It's just freedom. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. What about the the opposite question of pain in your career playing cards? What's the first memory that comes to mind? Like just losing, I don't know. I don't remember, you know, I don't remember like the exact uh, 
you know, the exact spot where, where I just remember like just losing, you know, losing big pots to like, you know, where you're heavily favored. That's probably painful. Uh, that was that was like most painful things for me, even though I, you know, not right away, but I learned to deal with it and it's like sit there with the same face and suck it up. But it was, uh, it's not what I felt inside. Yeah. It, yeah. it never is. It's inside. It is, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's a jolt to the system. Um, imagine that there's you know, a car- carbon copy of yourself who's just considering getting into their poker journey. Maybe they have a career, they want more freedom in their life. What would you say to them in a one-to-one meeting? What would you tell them so that they can, you know, progress and give poker, uh, Give it, give it their best shot at playing poker professionally. I, w- I would have to say uh, it's kind of like Duncan Little said, but I would have to say, say, say the same thing. It's uh, poker is uh, is a way to get rich slow. You just study, study, study. Don't think you like I was thinking in two thousand three that I can just deposit and print. Study, study, study. And if you do, you're going to be fine. You're going to be making money. I mean, there are unfortunates, but 90, you know, most of us, it's a thing for most of us. Like study, study hard, be humble. And it's, it's, it's not like a single strategic advice or anything. I mean, it's just like, it's just general, like study. You know, don't think you're better than anyone at anything. Be humble, study, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, that's great, man. I, I love it. I would say the same. What's some common poker advice you hear, maybe from the folks discussing poker strategy at a casino uh, that you disagree with? Mm, well, I, I, I disagree with, I don't know, I, I disagree with the, with the soul reads. I think soul reads is the thing sometimes. It you, is you a thing. To, yeah, it's a thing. Range, of course, we're playing range versus range and all that good stuff, but it's a thing. And some players be like, oh, that's not a thing. Stupid salary. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes you, yeah. I mean, yeah. educated guess, I would say. I would say, like, if we break down what a soul read is, and I've said it on the show before, I think it's like the coolest terminology that somebody invented in poker because it's just so, like, straight to the point, right? Like, I'm reading your soul. This is exactly what you have in this moment. You have one combination of hand. You know, it, it is basically honing in on only one hand that makes sense that villain can have. And when you're studied and you've invested a lot of time into thinking about poker and to growing and being the best that you can be, sometimes in spots, there is only one hand that actually makes sense for the situation that you're in. And that's just it. And it's a matter of like trusting yourself and your ability to read through this single situation. And I've just found that like, Whenever I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that like one hand makes sense and that I'm struggling to like, I'm trying, it's like a reach to find other hands that may be played in this way. I'm oftentimes just best served by trusting my intuition that like they've probably only got this one hand in this exact spot. And and the game tree in poker is so big and so complex. And I think what a lot of folks don't always understand is that combinatorically like is say old man coffee three bets pre-flop they probably only start with about 70 or 80 combos of hands and if they're splitting their range on every street then that 80 combos goes to 40 and that 40 combos goes to 20 and then all of a sudden you're honing in very very closely on what the villain actually has and and so like I, i would just say don't underestimate your ability to discern when villains have a very tight range and only one hand makes sense, which is, you know, in essence, what a soul read is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Anything else on the soul reads before we move on to the next question? Uh, nah, just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not even like this one hand that villain has this one hand. It's just like, you're, you're just not, you're just not going to be good here. You know? True. I mean, yeah, he probably does have that hand. He might not have it. He, you know, it's like, Eight four juice flop. He cannot have four juice. Yes, he can sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's like villains never bluffing, right? Or villain, it's 
Right. Very unlikely villains bluffing, which is interesting because when you look at MDA, the one takeaway that I have from MDA, which sort of contradicts what we're talking about here, which I think is interesting, is that like I haven't found a spot yet where villains are like never bluffing. However, I would say that even when analyzing data, there are some oversimplifications and there are some like things where you've got to triangulate and really um, data and information gets diluted at every point in the game tree. And sometimes even with the database of, you know, a hundred million hands, you reach points in the game tree that only have 20, 20 pieces of data where they're inconclusive. Right. And -hmm. I think that like you gain, especially in live poker, you gain so many more pieces of data, so many more data points that you can use to make your decision that narrows down, um, carves down villain's range and makes it to where like, okay, like I'm very, very confident villain's not bluffing here. All right, so let's move to the book phase of this. If you could gift every poker player who's listening to this podcast one book to read, what book would you suggest and why? And it doesn't have to be about poker. Uh, I really like uh, here. So, uh, personal organization for degenerates. I don't know if you can see it. Probably not. <laughs> no. It's, really. uh, yeah. Your it's, virtual uh, background blurs it out. It's 30, 35 pages. I mean, 20 minute read. Great. Uh, actually, like, guys actually taking pride of being degenerate. And, you know, he's a smart guy. It's written by Brandon Adams. Mm. So, give it a shot. 37 pages, 36, 35, something. Yeah, I, th- I think the podcast listener can handle that, 37 pages. Even yeah, if you don't don't yeah. like books, I think you can handle that. Also, I am a, sorry about that. I interrupted before I lost my thought of train. You know, I was, a, I was a nicotine smoker for, I don't know, I started at a very young age, smoked for like 20 plus years, quit in 2010. So I've been nicotine free for like 12 years in March. Um, and there's a book I read, it's called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking by Alan Carr, C-A-R-R. And it's just like, I was like everybody else, I tried to quit like a million times. I failed, read this book twice and quit for 12 years. Wow. This is just like, this is this is the biggest accomplishment, my, my biggest accomplishment. Like it's bigger than poker. Bigger than everything, <laughs> quitting smoking. Yeah, so I would, I recommend this book to like probably at least like fifty, hundred people that that I, I had a conversation about smoking. I don't think anyone read it yet, to <laughs> my knowledge. Yeah, and they they all want to quit so bad. Yeah, as as the book, I you know if 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 anyone struggles with nicotine, this is this is it. Yeah, it was written in nineteen eighty seven. Wow. By you're, someone who smoked 100 cigarettes a day. You're uh, hitting on something that's very near and dear to my own heart. I don't know, you know, if you know where the podcast listeners know, but like my dad's a lifetime smoker and he was diagnosed with small cell carcinoma, um, lung cancer, like a year ago, right before the pandemic started. And I mean, the reality is that smoking is bad and will destroy your lungs and I know that people want to quit. I mean, and if that resource empowers them and gives them tools to do so and they're serious about it, I mean, why not quit, change your life, train, change your traje- trajectory because the downside risk of smoking is catastrophic. Um, yeah. Not only the lungs, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of things, you know, sure. especially for a male. So, but um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing. This this book did wonders, and it was it was like it was the hardest thing to do, and at the same time, it was easiest thing to do. All you got to do is not smoke cigarettes. But you know, um, well, if you could make a billboard, all the poker players got to drive past on the way to the casino. What's your billboard say? I think it would, uh, I think how to put it, I think it's, it would say like something like it's all about money. 
I, I, I'm just having a hard time to put it. Uh, like, they want your money, you know, mm-hmm. not, not the ego, not, you know, they want your money. So think and play accordingly, you know, something like that. Probably a better way to put it. But No, I mean, inevitably in poker, we're judged by plus EV, minus EV decisions. And I think that yeah. our, our one goal is to find as many plus EV decisions as we possibly can throughout the game tree. Um, and as a very simplified way of saying, that's how you play winning poker. Well, actually, like I meant, uh, yeah, oh, you're yeah. right. But I, I meant like staying away from metagame you know, ah. because I, I, I kind of got burned in the department, like thinking people are targeting me when they just wanted my money, you know, in the beginning. That's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm doing a a poker coaching review hand history review in a couple of days, which will be yeah it'll be done by the time this podcast releases. And like I got torched on stream the other night in my plan explain, like just crushed every which way. I was like facing lots of big bets and folding hands that I was on the fence about. And when I got done, it was one of those sessions where I was like just felt like oh god, like I feel like I just got ran over. And I just looked at the hands like four hours ago and every single hand that I folded was the worst hand. <laughs> like they just have it, had it every single time. And it's very easy to think you're getting targeted. They're coming after you. They're exploiting you when the reality is some, some days they just have it over and over and over and over again. And you feel like you're being targeted, but the reality is they, they just have it. And that's how poker goes. Yeah. There was a, there was a, like, one of the biggest mistakes I made in poker, thinking that they're going after me. It's a natural. So, it's a very natural yeah. human thing to think. Um, but like you said, they are going after the money. They yeah, exactly. probably not just targeting you. Well, man, it's been great having you on, having this conversation. Always love interacting with you. And uh, yeah, I think with that said. I don't know that the Chasing Poker Greatness audience can find you anywhere on the interwebs or that you would want them to, but um, any parting words before we close down shop? Uh, as, uh, I mean, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me. I, I'm not active on social media. Uh, I have a Facebook account, which I check, but I don't post much. Uh, I just go to like staking groups. But yeah, Facebook and Greatness Village. I'm actually at Greatness Village, actually. I, I will always respond. Like, it might not be right away, but I will respond to Greatness Village always. So that's one well, place. We love you. We love you being a part of the community. Um, Dead Money V at Dead Money V in Greatness Village. Thank you for your time and your energy, brother. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.